In this week's episode, we touch on the subject of eating disorders. If you aren't quite ready to listen to this episode, then please do come back and listen to it at another time. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, you can reach out to many of the help services attached in the podcast description. This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by a wonderful Scottish talent. He is currently the lead in the UK tour of Avenue Q and we're very happy to have the chance to chat to him before he embarks off on tour around the country. It's the lovely Lawrence Smith. How are you today? I'm well, thank you so much. Are you still hanging over from press night? How dare you, I'm a professional. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. So, um, as always, we're going to start with a word association game. So I will give the honour to Scarlett. Yeah. Okay, Lawrence, word association, are you ready? No. <laughs> first word that comes into your head. Oh, classic first one, puppet. No. Deep fried Mars bar. Never. Really? Yeah, no, never. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, never. Yeah. Positivity. Yeah, more of that, please. Go to pick me up. Ooh, uh, uh, listen to podcasts. Oh, fantastic. Happiness. Uh, finally. Performing. Uh, pay me. Drama school. Drama school. Um, uh, tough, but necessary. I like this one. A Kylie Jenner pout trout. Which one is she? That's my word association. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's great. It was on the other, so um, on the UK tour of Avenue Q, uh, we're sharing digs, and then the, the Kardashians was on the other day, and I was literally like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. I think it came out like just at yeah. the age when I was like, nah. just missing out on that stuff. So I'm like, I yeah. don't know who people are. So Lawrence, tell us a little bit about you. Um, where did your love for the creative arts come from? That's a funny one. So I have no performers in my family. Um, like my mum's a social worker, dad's a business person, my brother's a doctor, and like I think, I think it was really a lot of like I just wanted a wee bit of, of attention. So I remember like super super young, um, it would be like Lawrence's moment to shine, and he I would be so nervous to do it, but I would stand in the other room. So everyone else is in like the living room. I go stand in the kitchen, and I just belt out, "I will always love you." And then come back in the room and pretend it didn't really happen. But like, I know it happened. It was, I've no idea. But I think it was, being up in the Highlands uh, of Scotland, there wasn't a lot of culture. No offence to the Highlands. But, you know, you should know by now. Uh, Can you see, which is near Aviemore? So yeah, there wasn't a heck of a lot of culture. So we just had like the telly, I guess. And I think, yeah, I just remember like my brother and I, we just watched the telly all the time and like, and that was just our source of entertainment as it is with lots of people. I think I just remember being like, I want to do that. Well, that looks cool. But it took me a long time to figure that, actually like put that plan in motion. Yeah. But I think, yeah. And I think just always, I think I was always like like a funny kid. I think I was always try, like showing off, but being like mega shy about it. So I think there was that kind of, even from, from such early days, a kind of uh, dissociation between Lawrence the performer and then Lawrence the person behind closed doors. And I said, I love the Dixie Chicks. Oh, yeah. I love the Dixie Chicks. I used to like put, because we were moving, it was when we moved from the Highlands. So I was like 10. And I used to put on wide open spaces and cr- like make myself cry. Because I was like, I should feel sad right now. So I used to make myself, like look myself in the mirror and like look what I was doing when I was crying. Weird. I'm so glad I'm admitting this. <laughs> I've never really thought about this. Yeah, we shouldn't. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> also, I'm giving you like really like husky tones today, I so you're all welcome. Welcome. So, um, most of the performers and actors we interview in here mostly just have drama training, um, but you actually trained in classical singing at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland before attending another three was it a three-year course or intensive training course in London at Royal Academy of Music. Um, so how was it completing two full-time creative arts training courses? Because that's a lot. It is a lot, isn't it? Yeah, now, th- now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, so I did, I, yeah, I did four years in Glasgow and then I came down to do 
it was on the, the classical masters at RAM, the Royal Academy of Music. And then even in the audition there, they were like, I don't really, this is weird what you're doing, but we're going to take a risk. I'm like, thank you. Um, so I did, and I was, it was meant to be a two-year masters, but then I, 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 fucked off out there because uh, I was just absolutely miserable and uh, and then swapped over to the musical the musical theatre masters at RAM which was a one year um, yeah that was that was pretty crazy but um, I was super fortunate that so when we moved to Stirling when I was about 10 or so um, my I think my mum was keen on me making friends because like moving to a new place and, and that weird age so she thought the best way for a young child to make friends is for them to learn a brass instrument yeah, 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 yeah. Good move, Mrs. Smith. It was a weird one. And um, I remember my trumpet teacher kept being like, oh, you know, like the brass like trumpet players, they're the coolest. I'm like, yeah, if you're like Louis Armstrong, but I'm like playing like fucking like the Grind Force theme tune. Like this is not, this isn't, this isn't cool. And um, uh, so, well, for sure. So, um, so I didn't, and like, so, that, so my brother was always, he was like mega melt. This is going to be a recurring theme. Sorry, Derek. But he was super mega talented, blah, 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 blah. And I don't think I'd really find my thing yet. And he'd uh, played the piano for, since a really young age. Now, I tried it once and it was, I was just so bad at it. And our, bless her, our um, piano teacher had arthritis, so she couldn't actually play the piano. So she just had to like, like, do this. And she tried to like sing it, but she'd sing out of key. And one time she had arthritis and she had uh, pins to put into her, her thumbs. But the pins were too long for her, so but just a wee bit too long. So you could see the pins poking out underneath her skin. Isn't that weird? Oh, sorry, sorry. We've uh, and we've lost one of the podcasters. Uh, it's just you and me, babe. And anyway, so so I couldn't play the trumpet, uh, the piano. Anyway, so then started playing the trumpet, and then it was when in for standard grades I was going to take music, but you needed two instruments. And my okay, everyone draw a mind map. My brother's piano teacher's wife was a singing teacher, and I think Mum was like, "Well, you talk a lot, Lawrence." So maybe you might sing as well. Um, so sign me up for a singing lesson, and which was bizarre. Like I can't really stress on how shy and not up for that I was, but it was the weirdest thing that I was like, okay, yeah, let's go for a singing lesson. Like it, it didn't quite. I don't. If I actually stopped to think about it, I don't. I don't think I would have gone. But I was like, yeah, okay, let's let's go for it. I went for one lesson, and I was like, oh shit, um, because suddenly there was this woman. Sasha who's just like and she's still she's a great family friend we had Christmas with her and for someone to be for someone else to see in you something that you don't see in yourself or something that you may have may have had at the back of your mind and you're like I don't dare like admit this out loud but I think I might be quite good at this for some for another human to be like I see that in you and let's work on it is such a powerful thing and um, so yeah so I started and what was great with her so Sasha was a she was a classical singer but her mantra from day one, and she reminded me this over Christmas dinner the other day, Christmas, um, if it pays and if it's legal, do it. So she had all like the classical training, she did all the classical work and stuff like, and but she from day one was like, yeah, but let's do musicals as well. And so she never, there's no snobbery or there's no like, like, oh, you have to go to, or you must do leader, you must do Schubert, whatever. It was just like, well, if it works for you, let's try that. And she, but she was like, who's your favorite singer, Lawrence? And she said, always like, come back to what you like. Uh, so like, make your voice as natural and healthy as it, as it can be, maybe who you base it on. And I, uh, I love Frank Sinatra. And she was like, cool cool she's like you actually don't need me as a singing teacher then just listen to Frank Sinatra and you'll be fine she's like because like the phrasing the intonation like everything he does with it cool 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 mm -hmm. yeah so so from like day one it wasn't a case of like oh you must do classical she was like let's just like let's figure out what your voice is doing and, and work from it from there and then I think honestly I think I was too scared to do musical theatre I think I was too scared to admit that I really wanted to do like like proper acting and stuff uh, so I think just because people were saying nice things about my singing I was like, okay, well, let's let's consider doing music school then. Uh, I didn't get in the first year, but um, it coincided with lots of other stuff, which we'll come on to later, um, which actually was, was super necessary that I, that I took a year out. And um, yeah, so then during that whole, the four year of, of Glasgow, like I was enjoying it and I was doing it and I was like doing quite well, but like even like teachers were like, like you don't quite fit and you're not quite this isn't quite what we and it was one I won't name names but it was after one of my end of year recitals and a teacher said 
like every time that you that we see you sing, Lawrence, it's it's kind of like we're interrupting one of your therapy sessions. I was like, R right, went, and so we don't really want to know what Lawrence is thinking. We want to know how Mozart was thinking. You know, your job is to interpret what Mozart was thinking. And I was like, oh, I think I need to go. <laughs> and, oh, what? And so, and I, I, I think that that was an odd. That took a clunky bit of my brain to be like wait but I thought I'm doing this so that I can express okay fine um so so that was a, that was a, so I think the whole way through the four years I think I, I felt mentally I was bumping up against what was expected of me and that felt quite uncomfortable because I'm like I know that I'm spending all this time and a lot of like my family and my friends they're supporting me and I feel like I'm just not I'm not making the headway that I should be making or I'm not I don't love it yet and I think I started, it felt, I know it sounds so like, oh, that's a shame, babe. Like, but like, I spent those four years just feeling really out of sorts and just like, I don't think this is for me. And I'm seeing all my, my friends who I was at school with, you know, excelling at uni or like finding their purpose. Uh, and I felt like, what the heck am I doing? And, um, but then, then in that kind of the undergrads, uh, especially with, with musicians, the next logical step is to do masters especially within the classical world you do your four-year undergrad and then you do your masters and the opera school and all this stuff and like so michael my boyfriend was like it's quicker for you to become a brain surgeon than to become an opera singer no yeah and then so yeah it was the, so the natural progression is to then do the masters and um i just kind of did that because again because i think i was a wee bit too shy or wasn't i was trying to people please so many other so like my teachers and stuff like oh yeah i'll, I'll, I'll audition for masters and then gone to that's it gone to ram and then yeah i think i think it was moving down to london and then suddenly seeing how dedicated people were to it and how off the boil i was like suddenly i was in london i dreamed of this day for years like since being up in the highlands like oh my god i'm finally in london and i'm doing classical singing and it just felt so weird and I was asking people on the course like you know oh, what are you up to this weekend They're like oh I'm off to St. Matthew's Passion I'm like I don't know what that is what? I'm like I want to go see Patti Lapone. Um and I think and so it was, it was Michael who was like uh, when I had a mate who was on the musical theatre course and he's like every Facebook status he puts up he is living his life he's having the best time and you just seem miserable He's like, what is up with that? And I think it took a bit of a, took a bit of chutzpah to be like, okay, like, yeah. So I organised a meeting with the musical theatre people and then swapped over. And I haven't looked back since. But what's lovely is that I don't regret or begrudge any of the years doing classical because I think the classical like training and stuff has helped the, the, uh, the, the MT. It's just a shame. <laughs> no puppetry experience. Oh, well. Um, you briefly just mentioned about the year out, um, which I'd like to go back on if that's okay. Um, I think it's so important because I feel like just as people in the world, we're always told, you know, to always go. Like, you're not allowed to stop and take a break. Like, you're not allowed... It's kind of like you're not allowed a year out. It's like, okay, well, you've you finished um, high school. Okay, what, what, what are you going to go? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to university? And there's always a stigma attached to having a year out, isn't there? Um, so just chat chat through that year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also want to stress, it was not a year out by choice. Like, that would that, that would have... Um, I, yeah, it, but it was a year that was entirely beneficial. Um, so, so I'd say I, I didn't get into... into uh, music school first time around and that was it was a real like knock to especially at a time when my confidence in myself was so low anyway maybe actually that might have helped because I kind of I was at such a low ebb maybe actually not getting to drama school I, that felt in my head I was I was confirming thoughts I had about myself anyway um, and it's only really been laterally in the past couple of years I've started to have a wee bit of confidence in myself and um uh, yeah, it was it was it was really tough. But um, I had uh, my grandpa had died um, uh, just in my final year of high school, and I think, I mean, if I'm looking for like all the universe type stuff, but, like I think him uh, passing like so, I got to spend that year with my nan, um, who's now ooh, not gonna cry, who is like one of my best like, one of my best friends and um, very supportive. Oh, oh, this is this is embarrassing, dealing me. Um, yeah, and I think just because I remember, like, when 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 my grandpa passed, um, uh, it was really hard, obviously, and obviously, and I think a lot of people would come around to her and ask about, like, like, can you, how are you feeling, how you, whatever, and I would come around and be like, let's go to cinema, or let's hang out, or let's let's do this, let's do that type thing, and 
I think, and I think we, you know, like we we like t- taught each other to laugh again. I think, and I think so that's the thing. Like my family are. It's so. Oh my god, this sounds depressing. My other, my na, my other nan uh, passed last year, and um, Michael was like, "You need to go home and be with your family, and you need to mourn together and be sad together and stuff." It was the funniest week of my life, like because all my family came together, and I think we had like a common purpose, and we were just we were shitting ourselves with laughter. It was so funny, and I think just like just humor, like it's just is, and I, yeah. I think that's always been one of my. Sometimes I, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound. I don't care what I like. I just care that people laugh. Like and and so I think doing Avenue Q, for example, like one of my favorite favorite moments. There's a line, and I'm like, if I if this doesn't get a, a laugh, then I'm going to be really sad. Oh, got a laugh. Okay, good, good, good. I can do the rest of the show now. And like and I think just placing like an inordinate amount of emphasis on. God, I hope people find me funny. And I don't know why. I, and I, I don't know why. I think it's because my dad. My dad's one of the funniest people I know. And um, uh, and I think yeah, I think I was kind of led by example with that type. And I think you, just, you always gravitate towards the funny people. Um, so yes, yeah, so that year off was about like learning, like like strengthening like familial bonds, but also just um, learning to be okay with myself. If you're noticing a difference in the sound quality, it's because we have moved from the cafe in the Actor Centre into the vocal studio <laughs> because someone was on a very loud conference call. So we decided to move, didn't we? Um, right, let's get on uh, with our... Lawrence demanded better acoustics. He couldn't, he couldn't deal with it. Um, such a drama queen. <laughs> so as we said, you went to two different uh, training establishments. Um, and what was... Um, the mental health support like at those places did it differ from place to place was there any really at all um, what was the support like mm. so I guess like to be for, to be totally fair you know I was at Glasgow for four years and at Ram for not that long like like two years um, and I think I was a different person in, in both settings in a way I think uh, you had to like reset your identity um, when you're down here and um, Glasgow uh, it wasn't fab um, I'm not, not trying to shit on anyone um, I think I think also I wasn't at peace with my mental health issues in Glasgow not saying I was at peace with them in London but like, I definitely wasn't I, so I wouldn't even admit to things and I think I it was during a stage when I was like desperately like you know trying to cry for help without actually naming anything because I thought if I put a label on it then that's blah 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 um, so I think I remember going on for like I think it was was it the mental health thing I think to I think it was just like I think I've got like a bit of anxiety maybe where actually like I'm very ill right now but I just didn't want to to, to admit to that um, so in some ways the the help I received that was a tricky thing uh, the whole way through my entire uh, health process the help that you receive kind of depend you need to kind of jog it along a wee bit um, and and because um, obviously they're meeting you for the first time and they're kind of taking what you're giving them it's tricky yeah I, do, I don't I don't mean to badmouth anyone or anything but um, it the fact I can barely actually remember the help that I was given kind of maybe suggests that it wasn't it wasn't super super sterling. I, yeah, I remember she had a really nice office in uh, in Glasgow. That was cool. Uh, it was nice and comfy. Oh no, but there was weird like like yeah, I remember like at the start of the year, it felt like you were having like an MOT because she would be there and your head of department would be there, and they kind of like run through things like so. Last year you said you cut yourself. Have you done that again? Like, I have to do like a, a checklist thing like oh, this feels a bit, it feels so clinical to the point that I felt that I was having to appease them. I'd have to be like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> cha, cha, cha. Whereas I, like, I feel deeply uncomfortable by this. It felt, it felt quite, it does feel quite intrusive. But obviously, you know, they have to maintain their students' welfare. They need to, like, I guess they have to, like, make sure that they're not doing anything to, to push people further over any edges and... That sounds so bad. Like, obviously, I'm sure they care. Um, but, you know, they have to, as an educational institution, they have to, like, make sure that their people are okay. But, um, 
So Glasgow was okay. London, I think I I I uh, I think I was in a really bad place in in my in, in the the first year in London. So I think I kind of like I would make excuses to not go because I was kind of like, well, there's there's kind of a drop in the ocean right now, um, and it kind of felt hard having to like you know having to re re repeatedly bury your soul to someone when it feels like a, like a bit like a check just ticking the box exercise. Um, and I was very fortunate. I was receiving uh, NHS uh, counselling um, out with the institution, and that was actually, that was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, she was. She, uh, yeah, um, a lady who, who was who was great, and um, uh, she had to leave because she was having a baby. But I've made sure that she named it Lawrence, regardless <laughs> of gender, uh, <laughs> frankly. Um, but yeah, so I think. Yeah, so in terms of institutions, not super great, but I think I, um, the the NHS stuff was was good. How long did you have to wait for it on the? Well, so this is the a thing that I personally and I, I my heart goes out to people who have to be on super super long waiting lists. I I think because I'm diabetic as well, yeah. um, as well as Michael, uh, um, series one episode <laughs> eight. You can't see me gloating, but I am. Uh, yeah, so I think with the diabetes thing, like you could like, literally sit in the office with the GP and be like, I'm feeling really bad, I'm feeling da 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 And they're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm diabetic. Then they're like, oh, shit, okay. And then they rush that one along. Yeah. Um, so I, I have kind of played that card a couple of times. Um, I mean, it was dealt to me, so fuck, I'm going to use it. And uh, so I didn't have to wait super, super long. But... Um, I remember having an assessment once, and she was a weird. She's, I'm sure she was lovely, but she would sit there with a with a notepad and be like, um, "So, like, you say you have these feelings?" I'm like, "Yeah," and she went, "Mm hmm," and she like she like would agree like, "Mm hmm," like really loud. I'm like, uh, yeah, "Sorry, um, sorry." I'm just wondering if she maybe had like a tick, and I was like, I, uh, "Yeah, so yeah, I'm having these really low thoughts about myself, and I'm you know sometimes worried." I, mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. And it's like, this is so bizarre. I'm so sorry if that spikes the, the, the levels. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I'm having like a really like moment here, but like you're making me piss myself. Um, she didn't mean to. Anyway, that's not obviously another point. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been lucky in some instances with NHS stuff, but I, um, uh, the biggest boon was uh, I was an inpatient at uh, the Priory in Glasgow through Ebal, and um, that kind of came about because <clears throat> my uh, my dad figured, worked out that his company's health insurance could cover it. Um, so I'm super fortunate in that in that in that respect. Though he did say, but it just means that no one else in the family is allowed to get ill okay. for a while. And he was he was kidding. Yeah. But I think also he's like, but also no, seriously, like, like, um, so I, I was super fortunate to, to to be able to have have that resource. Um, so, but my personal uh, experience with NHS stuff um, has has been a uh, has been actually thankfully really fortunate. And um, it was my uh, it was a diabetic nurse who um, she was on who actually got the ball rolling for me because um, I would uh, like I was I was mishandling my my diabetes uh, really badly. Um, uh, and and I was uh, anorexia, but I didn't. I'd never admitted it or said it out loud. And she tried to. She tried to help me with like, oh, why is your diabetes so off the rails? Let's work this out. Let, let's do like a meal plan type thing. And I just burst. And she's like, you're right. And I was like, I think I'm not very well. And she was like, cool. Here we go. Bish bash bosh. And like she set up all the meetings. She did everything. Um, and I think so. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Looking back, like there's, I, I'm, I'm like the beneficiary of the hard work and um, care of so many people. I think if I actually like stopped and actually rethought really about that, then I think my brain would explode just with gratitude. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been like <laughs> unfortunate with health issues, but very fortunate with people with caregivers, um, which I'm, yeah, really, that's nice. So as we said at the start of the podcast, we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy. Stephen is a manual therapist who specialises in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today. Hello Stephen. Hi Scarlett, how are you feeling after your treatment? I feel really, really good. I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension, I think you would say. Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up. That's a technical term. <laughs> 
So it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, and Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it. And I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to book in with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you check it out. Just going back to talk about... Um, the eating, um, we spoke a, a little bit about it with Michael, about the, the film that you, Michael, oh, yeah. um, directed and you were yeah. in, and it was raising awareness for eating disorders within males. Um, again, there's a huge stigma attached to it, I think we would all agree. Um, it's very, not, not accepted, that's the wrong word, it's very well known, um, especially within dancers, female dancers, um, but again, there is a huge stigma attached to um, eating disorders within males. Um, so just kind of, um, if you if you don't mind, just chatting sure. to us about that, especially the film, because I remember when I seen it and I was like, oh my gosh, because it was it was so happy, you know, and then all of a sudden, it just the shot of you, you know, in, in the bathroom, and it, was, it, it really did sit with me. It really, really did, because it's you just don't think about it. You don't think about it, even if it, even with men who, for example, like work constantly and they don't get lunch breaks when they have a hard hitting job, and that it can spiral that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I um. Yeah. I mean, the role I was born to play. I'd be really offended if you gave it to someone else. Um, but I, I do very much want to say also trigger warning, and I and um, I love Michael to absolutely the moon and back, and um. Yeah, I, that was incredibly tough, but that was also, I have to like, really take my hat off, that was his like, creative decision as well. Um, so I personally, I, like, I, I don't really, I don't watch it back uh, very often. Um, whereas I watch all of your work back repeatedly, Michael, I love you, thank you so much, <laughs> keep employing me. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, the trigger, trigger warnings and stuff. Um, yeah, it, uh, so wait, what was the question? Just talk to us about... Um kind of eating disorders with the men. For sure. I've brought my slides with me. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer, frankly. Um, uh, I think it, for me it kicked off uh, when I was in f like fourth year, fifth year of high school. I don't know what that is in England. Uh, it's 11 and 12. 11 and 12. And yeah, I think um, the way I think about it or have, have, have have thought about it is it felt like um I was juggling no a spinning multiple plates at once and if I had a chance if it was maybe in isolation like one plate on its own I can maybe deal with that but I think because they're all spinning at once they all crashed at once and it just for some reason that was a coping mechanism that I had and I think so I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was three um, so it's always kind of been there. And um, so from day one, there's always been uh, an important place on food and regular eating and blah, 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 blah. Which never, you know, it, it, when you're a kid, that doesn't really mean anything. But I think it was as I was getting, you know, adolescence and I was approaching those years when people are like, okay, cool, so what are you going to do with your life? then I was starting to have to ask questions that I never had considered before and, you know, self-sufficiency, looking after myself and, and making plans. And I think I just panicked, I, I, frankly. I think I, I... It was a kind of Peter Pan syndrome, anyway. I really didn't want to grow up because uh, I just... I had no... I'd, I think because I had no plans, I was just so worried about what was going to happen. And I <clears throat> kind of... I think I regressed physically I, I wanted to remain a child I mean but I didn't this is so weird I didn't shave for 80s because I was like I just I was trying to deny that I had that I was going through puberty because I was like oh but if I'm approaching adulthood then I need to start looking after my shit and I'm not ready to do that so I was trying to like stunt 
or stave off the inevitable. And so I would, yeah, so um, uh, I was trying to like stay in like a childlike state um, physically, I think, so that people would have to look after me. I think I was, and I was too scared, I think, or I didn't, maybe it's just, maybe it's not that I was scared, I just didn't know the right words to, uh, to say I need help. So what I would do, would, I would make physical uh, manifestations of my uh, uh, fear so that rather than me having to say, hi, can you help me out? It, I would invite people to say, are you okay? Um, uh, so yeah, so that, and that would be it with uh, uh, starving myself or uh, cutting myself. Um, and I think, I think puberty, good God, why does anyone do it? So hard, I hate it. I think um, I, uh, I, had a, I had a friend um, who uh, I became very close to, uh, who was a male, and um, that kind of also, oh, spoiler alert, I'm gay, um, that, uh, that made me uh, have to question lots of things. Um, and uh, he left, uh, he, he moved down to London, and I took that incredibly badly because it's, looking back, I think it was, uh, um, I just, I formed an incredibly strong bond with him and uh, having to like question things when, uh, when he left. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I do remember actually having, the, the, remember thinking he was coming down to London, he's gonna be with all these people, dancers, and like, like they're gonna be all fit and whatever and stuff. And then he's gonna come back to Sterling and um, he's gonna have to hang out with his fat friend Lawrence. Which is just like, I don't, I don't really know why that even crossed my mind, but it did. And I just became, yeah, I just, I, yeah, um, I became fixated with, with my appearance. And, which is funny, and <laughs> Michael last night was like, it's weird, because like, you don't really take pride in your appearance. It's weird that you think about it so often. But it's true, like, but I don't, I don't, I'm not the most, listeners, I'm not the most fashionable. I'm not the most fashionable. I don't do my hair in the mornings. I don't do anything like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'll give you the money later. Um... <laughs> But I just, yeah, I think in, uh, I think a, not an assumption, but well, yeah, maybe an assumption about, about especially anorexia or, or just general eating disorders in general is how much it's fixated on, on appearance. I couldn't give less of a shit about how I looked. It was how I felt. Um, and I felt that, I felt so uneasy in my own skin and just, I just didn't feel that I, belonged or fit in or, or I just I, I knew it was my hands I knew it was my L I knew I knew it was me but it didn't feel like me I didn't feel connected to, to myself and I think I, I remember having very strong um thoughts of just getting rid of the excess I wanted to get rid of all the the, the fat and but just get rid of everything that I wanted to be as close to as close to my core as possible so I think that and I, I'm trying to like rationalize it now. I'm like, it's, it's so hard to rationalize eating disorders because they are inherently irrational. And it's so hard to try and put like, uh, to, to put things in order in my, in my head because it's just, it was such a, especially back then, such a confusing time. But I remember, yeah, just wanting to just shed myself of myself and just go back to basics. Like almost like I wanted to like reset myself. And I think that, that just involved like trying to get as close to my skeleton as possible in a, in a, in a way and, and just getting rid of all the, the stuff I didn't like about myself, which was hashtag everything. And yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, hor yeah, it was, it was really tricky, really, really tricky. Yeah, it, it's, it's a weird one. And I think I was, uh, it, I mean, it could have gone any way. Really. I, think, I think because I had so much emphasis on, on, on food growing up and stuff, um, and the control and how you need it, you need it, you need it. I was kind of as kind of like, a, well, fuck you, actually. Like, because I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, um, do any of that stuff. I think it was this was my kind of teenage rebellion, and I don't want to like write it off as just being like this like flight of fancy. Uh, it was much more. It became much more ingrained. But um, for me, I didn't have uh, I didn't have particularly. Uh, masculine role models growing up like my like my dad bless him he, he's like quite effeminate or he's quite he's quite a showman so when people are like um lol when i played sweeney todd at the royal academy of music like when it's I like oh shit 
Yeah. Yeah, he gets me like, can you keep the eyeliner? Um, uh, it, the role, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was weird. Um, I, I'm not a particularly masculine, masculine person. And, and I didn't, I wasn't into sports, wasn't into anything like that. So for me personally, it wasn't a case of wanting to get abs, wanting, like, uh, not, not, it was nothing to that. It was, it was. It was nothing yet everything to do with my appearance, in, in a way. Like, like, I think well, like my appearance was a byproduct of, of, of everything else. And um, I think being a lad, um, lad, um, I, think, I think puberty in general is such an isolating, uh, weird, bizarre, it can, or it can be such an odd, bizarre experience. And I think I was a, a boy, um, I was the only boy in my friendship circle. So I was, I was friend with a girl, so I didn't really have that much much uh, male interaction. Um, I didn't really have many male friends. Um, and uh, I think I just felt it was, it just compounded so many feelings of, I feel alone uh, in everyday life, but as a guy with whatever these eating things are, I felt doubly, I felt like alone in like society because I remember a therapist gave me a book and um, like self-help stuff or, or, or whatever and um, uh, like chapter one it says because the majority of uh, sufferers are women we're just going to refer every time we refer to the patient we're going to refer to it as her, she, like their daughter or whatever and I'm reading this as a guy who's also struggling with my sexuality as well um, and that was that felt like that felt it felt so bizarre and you know and when I was uh, an inpatient at the Priory again I was the only chap on on the, uh, on the in the program um and that's not, not to say that I'm complaining or I'm not, I'm not like like so hard for boys but I think it's um when there's so much uh secrecy or there's so much um, guilt and shame with guys in the mental health uh, world um it uh, it can be yeah it can be really tough when you when you're feeling at your most lonely and most alone anyway uh, to then feel like you feel like a bit of an aberration or you feel like a bit of a, an asterisk in a pie chart it 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 feels like a weird it's quite an isolating feeling absolutely yeah I think that's why it's so important that we bring these things to light because yes women do have a lot to deal with in society but there's so much of a stigma towards men suffering which is why i think we need to talk about it really yeah for sure and yeah and 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 i there is you know zero percent of me that's like i think we should talk less about women that's uh, no, for, sure. for sure and uh, i just want to make that super 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 clear and 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 you know who's to say I, I don't i don't know if there if i if i knew more men or if i knew uh, more like men who was going, going through what i was going through then i don't know if that would have made a difference i i honestly don't know um and because it, it wasn't, it wasn't until uh, I think it was when that uh, diabetic nurse was it when she when someone mentioned or they wrote it down in, in notes, Lawrence is presenting um, uh, with the uh, uh, syndromes or whatever of severe eating eating disorders, uh, or um, it was until I saw that in writing or until I heard a like a, a health practitioner say the words eating disorder, then I was like, oh shit, that's what I have. Because even though I knew that I was starving myself, even though I knew I was doing what I was doing, even though I knew everything, all my patterns and all this stuff, I still couldn't put into words what it was. I think it took someone else to say, this is what's going on with you. Then I was like, oh, shit. Um, and I don't know if it's coming across, but, you know, I'm like a v vaguely intelligent person, like, like, like you know, whatever. But um, I had no idea what I was doing to myself. And I'm quite switched on, and and so if, I'm like, if if I don't know what if I'm doing, if I'm denying myself, or if I'm uh, deluding myself, like it's 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 it can be it's so dangerous, and it's and it's yeah, it's uh, I'm yeah, I'm very lucky that it got caught when it did, and um, even though it's my God, like maybe like ten more than ten years or so, I'm very fortunate that I'm no longer. Uh, I don't think I'm uh, in a dangerous state anymore. I'm not um, uh, doing a lot of the behaviours I used, I used to partake in. Um, I still very much have disordered eating. And I think that's, that's actually been some of the hardest times. Since recovering, 
Oh my, that, that was, that's been the, that's been so tricky. When people are like, oh, you're looking so much better. I'm like, shut the fuck up. What? Uh, like if I'm looking better, that means I'm looking fat, basically. Yeah. So that means I failed. So the one thing I was actually good at, which was making myself ill, you're saying I failed at that too, right? But you know, and it, it's just a self-perpetuating and it cycles around. And even, for example, like today when I messaged Scarlett being like, oh, do you want anything from Pret? And you're like, oh, no, if I, I don't need to get you anything. I'm like, nope, because I need to go to Pret. Yeah. And I can get so grumpy sometimes, or I can just get so, I don't know, like, n be negative to myself. I can just be very irrational with my, with my eating decisions, and, and, and then it stems to lots of things, and it stems to how I choose to spend my time. Like, if plans change, oy, 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 like, I get so um, anxious about things, and, and, and um, or if things don't, this sounds so spoiled, but if things don't go the way that I force, uh, could, could, thought they were going to go then it, it just shakes me a wee bit and and it, I think it's this um the quagmire of uh recovery is really hard to navigate because you kind of the, the a lot of the a lot of the 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 material and stuff is is on how to get your weight up or how to like you know da, 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 the, the, when you're in when you're in the eye of the storm type thing but it's the aftermath that can be so tricky because that's when I'm like okay I defined myself for so many years as uh, someone with anorexia, and I, <laughs> don't. I almost took pride in it, because I felt this was at a time when I can't do anything right, can't do it any. Like I failed all my prelims and stuff at, at high school. Um, and my chemistry teacher held my thumb. I don't know why she's, she's like, "Honey, you failed." I'm like, "Yeah, but no shit, Sherlock." Um, uh, I was basically unconscious. Yeah, and I, so I felt like the one thing I was good at was was being an anorexic. Fuck yeah, bitches. And then once, like, then people are like, yeah, you don't have that anymore. Then it's like, oh, wait, wait but who am I then? And, like, so much my, I base so much my identity in being this ill person. So suddenly when people are like, no, you're fine now, off you go. It's like, oh, shit. Like, you have to, like, rediscover who you are. And so it's, it's still to this day that I'm still figuring a lot out a lot of that shit. Um, because I was under the shadow of... Um, uh, anorexia and eating disorders and, and depression for for so, so long that I'm still trying to figure out. Actually, no, it's yeah, I can do this. I can I can do. I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to do that without the 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 the, the presence or the the identity that comes with with all that shite. Ugh, God, it's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody hell! People are, like and in like my I don't know darkest moments. I'm like, you know, could I ever go back to that? I I touch wood don't think I could go back to being as ill as I was because it just took so much time and effort and energy. And um, I'm thinking like if I, if I put all the resources I'm putting into being ill into, I don't know, learning how to do like patchwork quilting, you know, I'd be great. Like, you know, the amount of hours and like, and, and time that you just put into being so mean about yourself. Like you could like just try and revert that and, and or reverse it and, and put in something positive. You could you could work wonders. Just when you were talking about patterns then and you know recovery, um, I remember I went on holiday with my boyfriend two years ago, and one of my routines was I would always weigh myself. I would always eat something and then weigh myself. I remember we went on holiday and I packed. No word of a lie, I packed the scales in the bathroom. And he was like, you cannot take these skills on holiday with you. But I was like, well, I'm going to be in a bikini. I'm going to, and, you know, like, I was, I was totally fine. But that is, that's, that's still a routine to this day. And I think, you know, just when you were saying about recovery, it's like, it's a constant, it's part of you, even though you can be recovered, it's, yeah. it's still part of you. Yeah. So I completely understand yeah. with what you were saying there. I mean, geez, oh, like holidays are hard. I remember like family holidays, like, my family, like, you know, my mum and dad at least have seen me in all states. I remember coming out, like, on the the first day that like, we were in a villa in Italy. Everyone's in the swimming pool. I was the last one out because I was having a massive panic attack. And then I would come down to the swimming pool and make everyone turn around to look the other way when I when I jumped into the water because um, I didn't want anyone to, anyone to see me. And it's a tricky little biscuit. But it's funny what you're saying, but, like, your, your partner, I think that's um, that's a huge area uh, to be examined as well like um the 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 amount of shite that my boyfriend's 
witnessed or gone through or had to put up with is kind of uh <laughs> it's kind of remarkable and um i think there were so many there's they so so we got together when i was still incredibly ill which um i don't i don't i mean I don't know if that was a good thing or not. I mean, obviously, I'm personally very happy it did happen. But um, for for him and his social circle, his friends and his, I was I was I was not fun to be around at all. And I think it's in so we've been together for just over six years, and we'd say it's probably in the past year and a bit that we're like finally like, okay, here we go. This is who we are. And I think um, the the amount of work that the partner has to do because they're having to like second guess you the whole time or like or like you know it's like a minefield they can't say the right thing at any time like can't win for losing and I think the the support that a partner puts in like cannot be championed enough um, because they you know in, in most cases they see you the most more than your folks do or more than uh, uh, your, your 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 friends and family, um, and I think it's incredibly tough. And um, I think just because I, th- I think Michael and I just like made a not I don't say commitment, but we I think we recognise in each other quite early on that I think this is quite a special thing that we have. And um, but there are many many times that it I think it was too hard for him, um, and I was. Not and I I wasn't I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain of being a partner, um, because I was just I was so ill and um, so I'm uh, very grateful uh, that he kind of saw through that shit and 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 has stuck with because um, he's put in his his hours um, and then some uh, to stay with me and um, thankfully it's you know it's paid off now that I'm 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 a happier person and stuff but there's that I know that that yeah. There's so many people who um, are going through this stuff whilst having a partner, and I know that it just it can have such an effect on on the partner, and I and I don't want to in any way ever belittle or disregard the work that they put in, and um, because also w- we are still in our twenties, so we are continually fucking things up day in day out because we're trying to figure out how to be human beings. Uh, on top of everything else, um, and I just think that. Um, we're all trying to we're all trying to figure it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, what is your relationship now with mental health? So, what is you know you you said at the start of this podcast about happiness. Oh, yeah. Um. So just um talk us through the here and now, the present day. My relationship with mental health. Um, we're on a break. We're seeing other people for sure. It's a tricky. It's a tricky one. It's I don't know. Like, I don't. I. Yeah, I honestly don't know. And I think in some ways that's good that I don't know because before, every single day, you wake up in the morning like, what am I doing today? What am I feeling? Whereas now it's like, oh, it's another day today. And uh, I think the fact that I'm not spending as much time fixating and fascinating and and, and being so uh, uh, preoccupied with my mental health maybe suggests that it's relatively okay. Which I hate saying. I still hate saying. I hate saying that I'm okay. Because there is still that the voice being like, no, you're not, or you're not allowed to be, or you're an idiot. I know that I still get very anxious. Um, I uh, my eating isn't great. Like being entirely honest, like it's still it's regimented or it's um, it's 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 an unhealthy. I have an I still have an unhealthy relationship with food uh, and and appearance and stuff. Um, and I t- yeah, I think. I'm and I'm I'm on medication uh, for for my depression, uh, which is uh, good and necessary. And um, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I mean, and I think also because I'm I'm also so aware and I'm so fortunate that I'm currently employed. The fact that taking the time today to talk about all like my history, and then being like, oh, I'm employed right now in a dream job, having the best time of my life, like is bizarre because I never thought that was going to happen I didn't th- I didn't there you know there's many times I that I didn't think I'd get to this age frankly and um is it too cliche to say that performing saved my life performing saved my life uh, and it has I think it amongst many other things um uh but I I I I, I 
I do think it has. And I think I kept having feelings, feelings of trying to find the meaning and the purpose of my illness. Like, why is this happening? And I was looking at other people being like, well, they seem relatively okay. You can never make that assumption. But why am I going through this? Why, what, what is the payoff going to be from this? And, I've, and I'm still looking for that. I still don't know what it is. But I think getting to now enjoy what I do so much, I think it's kind of in spite of that. And I think it's, it's um, a very humbling experience. And um, but so as you say, I'm, I'm very fortunate, and I know that right now, being one of those rare, rare people who is an employed actor, like because I've gone through times when I have not been that, and it has been miserable, and it's been really, really tough. And um, uh, I just know that I kind of owe it to myself right now to to just enjoy myself and to not second guess and to not doubt and to not like. I won't name names, but an influential tweet person, whatever the hell, put a picture up the other day. Lovely, thank you so much. Said lovely, lovely words, but I was saying to you, like, it looks like my face is made up of punched ham. Like, it's just horrific. It's really bad. I'm like, oh, I wasn't aware that I was like a Bavarian um, monk who's been dead for 20 years. Like, I look so bad. But I'm kind of like, do you know what? Seth Levi, move the fuck on. Like, cool. Like, ugh. other people weren't, like, I also knew it was really bad because even my boyfriend didn't retweet it. And he's, he's my biggest fan. He's like, yeah, I didn't really want people to see that one. My graduation photos, I remember my mum took them out, the, took them out the thing, she went, mm, not your best, put them back in again. <laughs> no, I think just, yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I need to, I need to remember and, and be, present and just and just really appreciate the moments when you get them yeah so you mentioned it earlier but we just want to briefly touch on um sexuality purely Mm. because it's something that we haven't spoken enough about during this podcast Mm. um and discrimination towards the lgbt um qia plus community is something which is still very much a thing and um which is ridiculous in 2019 it it baffles us all but then we're in this very accepting industry um in terms of sexuality um and we're aware that the there's massive mental health impacts that this can have um Yes, as we said, this is strongly accepted within the arts, but it can be difficult, um, a difficult thing to come to terms with, um, discovering who you are uh, and accepting that. So what advice would you give to someone who is maybe experiencing discrimination at the moment um, or coming to terms with their sexuality? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. I, it's, it's, yeah, actually think about it, my, the, the chronology of me which will be the name of my uh, jazz album. I came out, as it were, I came out as having mental health issues before coming out as gay. And I only came out um, with Michael. Um, uh, I remember, like, taking my mum and dad for lunch in Glasgow. So this is my start of my third year of university. So I was, like, 20, whatever the hell. And... um, uh, I went for lunch and then like, I was like, so the reason that we're all gathered here today is uh, I've met someone and I'm really happy and they have a penis and they're called Michael. And my mum and dad were like, uh-huh. I was like, all right, I thought you'd be more shocked. They're like, no, not really. <laughs> this is not like a, not a huge surprise. <clears throat> so I, I've been incredibly fortunate and I think, I think if I'm entirely honest, I think I was probably... Like, I had like low level depression throughout my childhood as well. I just don't think I, you know, like, oh, he's a bit, he's a bit quiet or whatever. I don't think it was ever, well, I don't want to say diagnosed or, or anything, but I think, I think my parents were aware, seeing how sad I was for so many years, suddenly seeing how happy I was, even though I was still very under much the cloud of, of, of mental health. The idea, oh, here's some that Lawrence can cling on to. I think mum and dad loved that. And from day one, they've been like, cool, when, when do we meet and what's, what's the situation? So me personally, and as you say, we're in such a, an inclusive and welcoming uh, industry. I don't think I've, I personally don't feel I've felt or faced any form of discrimination, which I'm so thankful of um, within the industry. 
what sucks is, you know, not being able to walk down the street hand in hand with my boyfriend um, or being able to really show any signs of affection or any, like, yesterday we were in a, it was after the show, we were in a Weatherspoons and we kissed and I think we were both like, oh, careful. Which is just like, it just, it kind of sucks. It, I mean, it does suck, and, and it's, but we're just so used to it now that, and it's, and it's hard, like, if, if you're having a bit of a rough day and you just want to cuddle or something, you just want to, like, hold your hands with your boyfriend who you've been committed to for, like, six years or whatever, and, like, and you can't do that in case someone else takes offence. It's kind of bullshit. Um, so in terms of industry, I've been, I've been hunky-dory, I think. Um, and <laughs> I remember my, uh, my singing teacher, my very first lesson at RAM, on the musical theatre course, my singing teacher, who's an absolute babe, she was like, cool, 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 so just met me, uh, sang a couple of songs. She was like, okay, so for you, I see a uh, boy next door, nerd, gay, that's your casting. I'm like, what? Because I just come from the classical world where like, that's not a consider, or like, that's not a thing. To suddenly being like, what? And, but almost the, so I took it as a bit like, I don't know what you're talking about to begin with, but now I'm like, oh, I guess I can kind of, not weaponize it, but I can use what is inherently me to serve me. Because I'm not, I, I am a flappy, flappy person. Like last night <laughs> during the bows, people are like, you need to sort your bow out. Because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm just loving like, but it's not that I'm, I'm not like ostentatious. I'm just, I'm very like, ooh, I'm very jittery and very like, oh no, I don't, you know, because I have a bit of like a nervous energy. It, it, it's learning who I am so that when I got for roles and stuff, I think it was last, it was actually like a month before I got Avenue Q, I had a meeting with my agent where I was like, I think this is, I think we're done, Frank. I think like me, I think I'm, I think I need to get out of here because it's not going to happen, is it? And he's like, what do you mean? I went, well, I don't, my teeth aren't straight and I don't go to the gym and I don't, you know, look like the six foot, 10 Greek Adonis people who are on the West End, whatever. He went, yeah, well, you didn't look like that when we signed you. I was like, what? He went, we don't want you to go to the gym. Like, we just want you to just keep doing you. And he's like, the, 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 the things that you are right for, you will get. In, 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 like, not to be... Like, the, the jobs I have got so far, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that I got that because that is, yeah, that's, that's not a reach for me. Whereas for me to play, like, the leading man not in avenue q well it's hilarious i'm gay obviously in having in avenue q but any like love scenes i just have to do it with a puppet the dream win-win <laughs> i think yeah it, it's uh my i don't know my gayness or my whatever the fuck like my whoever i am um learning to embrace that and then being like okay obviously i'm an actor so i can change and modify for a role but there's always going to be a bit of lawrence in there and um as my nan would say was for you won't go by you yeah uh, so so i think um yeah if it's kind of like well if i don't fit the role then i don't fit the role and there we, there we go that's a shame but thank you next i do you know what I don't know for other people because I don't know their circumstance. I don't know um, that, as I say, I've been so lucky that I've been in uh, friendship circles, familial circles, industry circles, circle circles, where I've been supported and I've been accepted. And my gayness is maybe like the sixth thing down the list of who I am in, in a way. Like, uh, it's just not important. I've been incredibly fortunate. Um, and it'd be it'd be um, ridiculous of me to suggest otherwise, um, in, in in terms of my my upbringing and stuff. Um, so, but for other people, yeah, like shit, man. I don't know, like it's tough. I remember saying to Michael's little sister when she was too young to know why I was talking to her because uh, I was an old man. Um, just, I was just like, listen to the music you want to listen to. She's like, okay, cool, thanks, bye. Uh, I was like, no, but honestly, because I was like, I wish I had the courage of my convictions when I was at high school to like proudly say, yeah, I like listening to the country music. I like listening to whatever, like, I felt I spent so long trying to conform and trying to, 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 to fit to certain certain roles. Um, and it's I think it's now that I'm entering my later years that, um, that or just I'm at an age, maybe age is irrelevant. I'm at a stage in my life where I'm like, actually, I think I'm, 
I'm starting, and it's not, it's by no means a completed process, but I'm starting to maybe get on board with who I am. And um, I like this type of music. I like to wear these clothes. I would like to go see that film. And um, if I mean something to someone, if you mean something to me or whatever, then that's part of the deal. And I think I spent so many years, as I said, like trying to please other people and trying to belittle myself. Like it just takes too much energy, too much effort um, to be so mean to yourself. Um, just um, we've got, we haven't got a hell of a lot of time on this planet. Um, so I don't know. Go, go watch the films you want to watch. Last question: Could you walk into a room today and say I'm having a bad mental health day? Can I walk into a room and say I'm having a bad mental health day? No, I don't think I can. Isn't that bad? Sorry to cheat, but I think I also equate that to my diabetes as well. Like, I would try and like I would try and make excuses on behalf of myself to other people, and like oh sorry, and, and I I would take myself out to the corner and and, and do what I need to do. Um, I mean, I guess you should. I, I do have to say I'm on the whole horrific with other people's mental health. In that I, I think. And I think it's still part of my neuroses and <clears throat> insecurities and stuff that I immediately start thinking about myself. And or, or I will start to go into a bit, bit of competitive mode. Like, oh, that's a shame you think. Well, what about me? And it, and it just, I think it, it draws out a slightly ugly side of me that I, that I don't enjoy um, exhibiting. And um, so if people do ever ask me for help or if ever people, if ever I've been in position where I know someone's been really down or whatever, or, or they're going through something, and I, and I start to hear what I'm saying to, I, out loud to them. I'm like, even I wouldn't buy this shit. Like, I'm just coming out with really bad stuff, and I think that's a, maybe a sign that I'm still, I'm, uh, I'm not in a position yet to, to, to look after others yet, because still, I'm still working on myself. Um, oh, can I give a plug? Yeah. <laughs> there is a group, there's a charity called Men Get Eating Disorders Too, um, and actually my mum found out about it and she, she texted me and um, they do, I think it's like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. They've got a meeting, is it this Monday? I think it's like, like it's, I go into the website, but I think it's like the first Monday of every month, I think. And there's a, meet, a meeting, a meetup thing in Paddington. Um, and it's, uh, it's class, like uh, I was one of the first members there and um, it's just a completely non-judgmental uh, uh, group they just get together and this is in London and I've never been there when there's been more than six people which is kind of oh it, like, no you just rock up Amazing. it's just and it's just it's just a like I don't say group therapy it's not that at all it's a it's a drop-in just like hey how, how like what do people want to talk about today um and there's no agenda there's no um and um Will he runs it and he, but he's like the moderator and he like there's lots of ground rules that like you don't you don't mention figures you don't mention behaviors you don't mention anything that, anything that could be triggering um, and for me it was such a humbling experience because I spent so many years being the only guy in the room to then be in a room with people double my age triple my like so across all age ranges across all sexualities and across all different forms of eating disorders um and people being at such different stages um all kind of getting together and having a common purpose and um it's it's remarkable and um if if anyone's listening to this and they go along to that then i would consider this an incredibly worthy uh, thing that I've done today and I'm, I will come on to thank yous in, in, in a second to you guys um, but so men get eating disorders too maybe not the snappiest title but I mean yeah it's really it's really good so they just do as I say it's just it's this monthly drop-in session I think they'd have one in Brighton as well and it's just like like an hour and a half and um, uh, I uh, I go sometimes even when I'm like I think I'm I think I'm okay I don't know why I'm going tonight and then I'm like oh no I'm still learning stuff and yeah. if anything you're learning about a bit about yourself and your own process and your own journey mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, it's just a really safe place to talk and I think that's really really important no you're very welcome shall we finish with a little game yeah yeah I think this will be fun right 
one thing I do to keep my mental health in check is... Um, be kind to myself. The hardest thing about this industry is... Uh, being kind to yourself. No, the um, hardest thing about this industry is... Uh, uh, Twitter. Ooh, or like, like, like uh, yeah. social media and like, like, oh shit, they got it. Mm. Or like, oh, I guess I didn't get it. Yeah. Or constantly, like, you go on... Because I remember, like, my nan would be like, oh, just, like, go to the cinema. I'm like, yeah, but going to the cinema and seeing successful actors mm. doesn't, weirdly, make me feel good about myself. Yeah. Um, uh, so being on social media, like, you go on there to, like, relax, like, take your brain off it. I obviously follow lots of theatre people mm. and or industry people, and then you start, you know, you start, you get massive insecurities and fear yeah. of missing out and stuff. So I find social media quite hard. So I don't have notifications on my phone. That's yeah. a, that's the thing. So Nor do I. Would absolutely 10 out of 10 recommend doing that. Yeah. Um, in the future, I want to... Build a time machine. In the future, I want to... In the future, I want to... Um, oh, God. In the future, I want to... Um, uh, just do a good job. Yeah. Right. My guilty pleasure is... I don't... What's the point of calling it guilty? Exactly. That's true. My favourite Netflix binge is... I hate the word binge. Mm, Sorry. Yes. No, but that's... We should have been more aware of that. Yeah. My no, favourite but... Netflix watch is... No, for sure. But, like, no, but like 100%. And, and, yeah. and, but it's just funny how, like, how common like, lexicon has just kind of adopted that. Yes. And I'm always like, I don't feel happy. Like, mm. I feel so weird about that. Um, uh, Netflix. Um... Shite, what do I watch? Like, I watch a lot of stuff. <laughs> my favourite things. Number one, okay, so just hang out with, with Michael. We watch Dragon's Den. Yes, and we're both, I love Dragon's Den. And we're always like, how, have any of the people who go on the show ever watched Dragon's Den before? Because they're like, like, so, like, what's the investment? And they're like, I don't know. And like, watch the programme! Um, I also love uh, Catastrophe on Channel 4. Catastrophe's fucking brilliant. Deadly Girls. Um, um, oh, there's just lots of stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to whittle, yeah. whittle down. The best piece of advice I was ever given was... If, it le if it's legal and it pays, do it. Happiness to me is... Is uh, uh, hard to attain but worth it. My left arm is... Currently so uh, like mocking my right arm because my right arm is going through hell right now. <laughs> my left arm is having a holiday. It's love and life. Jesus <laughs> I have new Q problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, performing to me is uh, therapy. And on that note, Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, ladies. I'm having a lovely time. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Can you ref to us before you go? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one -on -one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25, so if you are interested, please get in touch. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. Share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word, as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you very, very soon. <laughs>